Amen. Where I'm from, we say, you guys bless my socks off. Uh, yeah, start out. Um, just a good day to worship with you guys. I really love you, man. Uh, man, I, I'm going to have to take a, we used to have Kleenex everywhere. We don't, I need to put one in front of me wherever I sit from now on. Judy really touched me with that. You know, I, I think about what Jesus said. He said that they will all know you're my disciples by how you love one another. And so that just clicks in a pastor's heart when somebody says, you guys have loved me. It just does. But God's so good. And my prayer, you know, as I have the privilege of being able to be here each Sunday and to serve with you, is I want to worship God too. I don't just want to be up here and speak. I want us all to encounter the living God. And that is something that requires the Spirit of God. So obviously we want to invite his spirit to show up. And I believe he's been here. And so I just don't want to uh, block him from staying here. So we're going to pray in a moment for that. But let's stand for, our, as I read our scripture. Uh, actually, we're starting out and we've been in the Beatitudes. Those attitudes of altitude from Jesus. And this morning we're going to, we're actually going to look at Romans 2 in our reading. But Matthew chapter 5 verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And we're going to turn over to Romans chapter 12, and actually two verses. I want to read verses 17 and 18 of Romans chapter 12. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Let's pray. Jesus, you came to die on a cross because we're sinners, Lord. Sometimes we get our feelings hurt and sometimes we hold grudges and sometimes we are separated from people we care about. And Father, you came as the ultimate peacemaker and you call us to follow and be peacemakers. So this morning, God, um, speak beyond what I can say. Holy Spirit, we do invite you as this part of the service to continue to minister to us and Lord, we just desperately need you. So, God, have your way. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. This morning, as we talk about reconciliation and as we talk about broken relationships, it can't help but think about, you know, the most uh, famous, famous struggle of all, the Hatfields and the McCoys. I think what I didn't realize as I started studying into this is that in some ways they're kind of like Bristol. There was a creek that separated the two families, which was the state line between West Virginia and Kentucky. You had the Hatfields that lived on the West Virginia side, and you had the McCoys who lived on the Kentucky side. And all of this stuff started out in Tug Valley because in 1878, a pig went missing from the McCoy farm, and the Hatfields were blamed. So there was this quiet anger that brewed for several years and then it exploded in 1882 when one of the Hatfields 
Ellison McCoy ran for a political office and was elected. And three, um, it, he was he was insulted. So three of the McCoy boys slipped over the creek at night and shot Ellison Hatfield, and he ended up dying. The Hatfields retaliated, and after a gunfight, three McCoys were killed. It became so brutal that both governors had to call in the National Guard because these prominent families had built an army on each side. And so it literally turned into a war between these families and these communities. Eventually, eight members of the Hatfield family were kidnapped and brought over to Kentucky to stand trial. But there was not an agreement in Kentucky and West Virginia of where the trial would be fair. And so it went all the way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court finally ruled that they could be tried in Kentucky where eight of the Hatfields were found guilty of murder. And then interestingly enough, the ringleader of the family, the Hatfield family, was hung publicly in a state where it had been outlawed to execute by hanging. When the dust settled, 12 members of the Hatfields and the McCoys had lost their lives in this great feud. And there's still uh, feuds. There's still broken relationships. There's still people that are angry. And for years, they're separated, and they miss they miss their life together. As I've told you guys, I have an aunt, and for, for many, many, many years, she was separated from her kids through some circumstances, and there were many bad feelings. In the last six months of her life, she was able to get right with God and able to get right with her kids, and she uh, was moved in a trailer on the property of one of her daughters, and they had a joyous six months together at the end. But so much time was missed. And so today we want to talk about the importance of the peace that Jesus brings and the importance that we too are to be peacemakers and to bring forth that message of peace. We've looked at, uh, as we've looked at this Beatitudes, blessed are the beggars was the first message. And the fact of the matter is we have to all realize that we have nothing that we can really bring to God that is going to impress Him, guys. We are sinners. The wages of sin is death, and so we need someone bigger than we are in order to bring what we need in order to be saved. And, of course, that is Jesus Christ. We have to know we are spiritually impoverished. And then blessed are the brokenhearted. What are we brokenhearted about? Our sin. Man, God, I know I should follow you. I know I should not give in to that temptation and, and follow that sin and leave you out of my life. And yet what happens? I do it. God says, be broken hearted over your sin. And then happier the helpless to understand that helplessness that resides without God in our lives and how desperately we need Him. Thus happier the hungry that we are to hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's then that we are filled. And then happy are the helpful. We are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus and, and that he, as He moves and works through us. And then last time we looked at happy are the holy. The importance of realizing that uh, we have 
positional holiness, which means at that moment that you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, that you have a seat in heaven, and you are secure, not because of what you do or what you've done, but because of what Jesus did at Calvary. And you have that positional holiness. But you also have a practical holiness, which means day-to-day following Jesus Christ and living a life that is set apart for him. And we talked in Sunday school about how critical that is today, guys. We live in an age where everybody's so afraid of hurting somebody's feelings or what people may think. And I'm not saying we intentionally hurt one another's feelings. But what I'm saying is it is not loving to not tell the truth of Jesus Christ. So we have to be loving but we also have to be honest. There is only one way to heaven, and that is through the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And that leads us to today. Blessed are the bridge builders. These messages, these attitudes God calls us to, they're not me-attitudes, they're be-attitudes. How God wants to change us to put us into the image of Jesus Christ. And when he said, blessed are the peacemakers, this is not being passive. This is being active. Jesus is referring to someone who is always seeking to negotiate peace. We are peace dealers, peace workers, peace providers. The implication is peace is missing. People are without peace. People are troubled. People are broken. People are struggling, and they need peace. And Jesus himself is known, of course, as the Prince of Peace. Whereas the Bible doesn't spell out every possible scenario of seeking peace, it does discuss the spirit of a peacemaker. What marks a peacemaker? You see, the greatest peacemaker who ever walked the planet, (laughs) he didn't receive in turn peace. He was nailed to a cross. Listen to Colossians 1, 19 and verse 20. For God was pleased to have all the fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Reconciliation, forgiveness, a new start, It is available through the reconciliation that was won on a cross by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, and our hope. In Romans chapter 12, the two verses we're going to look at in regard to this message too, the same word Jesus used for peace is used in this chapter. So as God, through the movement of the Holy Spirit, works through the Apostle Paul in writing this letter. He gives great insight into the important principles of being a peacemaker. We're going to look at these this morning. The first one, peacemakers refuse to get even. So let's look back again at Romans chapter 12, verse 17. Do not repay anyone for evil. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. No loopholes here. You know, it doesn't say, well, man, 
if this guy ticks you off, I think you should go for him because he's really ticked you off. Or, uh, but, you know, if it's my family member, it's a good friend, you know, maybe cut some slack there. God doesn't provide loopholes. He doesn't say, well, if no one gets hurt, but if they deserve it, then I'll fight them back. And yet, I know how we all are, guys. We are all so weak, and we are so prone to quickly getting our feelings hurt. And in a moment, although we know we are to be peacemakers, we can find ourselves upset and dug in and say, I cannot believe that person did that to me. I will never forgive them. I will never trust them again. I won't listen to them. Man, they're just a... Whoa, can't use those words, you know? I'm a preacher. You know, turn me to Psalm 139. I, I thought about King David here. Years ago, God spoke to me in Psalm 139. I love Psalm 139. It is a beautiful psalm, old psalm, that speaks about the majesty of God and how he so deeply knows us, guys. He starts out, he says, oh, Lord, you search me and you know me, Lord. You know when I sit, you know when I rise. You're familiar with all my ways, four words on my tongue. You know it completely. Oh, Lord. I mean, he just goes on. You've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me to attain. It's too much for me. So, so what's he And then he goes on in the psalm. And so what's he saying? Man, God, you really know me. You know the good stuff. You know the bad stuff. You know all stuff about me. And he goes on through the psalm, and it's just beautiful how he recognizes the fact that God has intricately created. As a matter of fact, there's one section. He says, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. You created me, my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Anyway, he goes on, and, and he talks about a God who knows him intricately and loves him but you know i always had trouble as i worked on memorizing this psalm there's a section in there it just doesn't fit man i'd try to learn that and then i'd get to this section that doesn't fit god what is going on so uh in psalm 139 you know you're doing good you're coming down through here you get all the way down to verse 17 18 and and david says how precious to me are your thoughts O god how vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sin. When I awake, I am still with you. God, you are so magnificent. Now, it's the part I've always had trouble with, trying to learn and get my mind. He goes, as you go now to the next part, starting in verse 19, this, he, says, he says this, If only you would slay the wicked, O God. Away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. In other words, God, I know you love me, but that rascal doesn't. And he's ruined my worship. I was on the mountain of God. And then I got to thinking about that rascal. What he did to me. What she did to me. How could they do that to me? Guys, it is just proof, hard evidence. We need the cross. We need the cross of Christ. 
Paul says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. We need that very power of God, that very forgiveness that God provides. One thing I can say about old David, though, he's a man after God's own heart, and I love the way he closes out the psalm. Listen to this, I love it. These are some of my favorite verses in the scriptures, too, how he closes out Psalm 139. Uh, matter of fact, most of it I learned in the NIV, but I just always love the King James of those last two verses, so I'm going to share it in, in uh, King Jennings, as we used to say. Search me, O God, and know my heart. <laughs> Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. I just love that about David. He's worshiping God. He's on the mountaintop. All of a sudden, he falls down and rolls down, gets all bruised up, going back down into the valley, thinking about that rascal that hurt him, that offended him. But then he comes back and he says, Oh God, forgive me. Search me, God. Let the spotlight of your spirit shine upon me that my sin may be revealed before me. And God, um, see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in that way I should go, the way everlasting, God. We have to have him to even be <laughs> peacemakers. But he says, don't repay anyone evil for evil. Grace never gets even. Paul's asking us to do something that does not come natural to us. This is not something that you and I can do without God. If it's up to me, if you smack me, I'm coming after you. Right? But the supernatural thing is turn the other cheek. <laughs> How is that possible? Only by the power of the risen Christ inside of us. Only by the presence of Jesus. One commentator, I loved it, he said, Everybody always talk about, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. Well, here's what he said. I love it. He said, uh, Lord, I want to be more like you. Well, except for the betrayals and the nails and the spear. <laughs> what we mean when we say we want to be like Jesus is that we'd like to have his perfections, not his sufferings. We're told in Philippians 2.5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. We're called to have the attitude in the heart of our Lord, of our Master. Point number two, peacemakers provide positive solutions. Next part of Romans chapter 12, verse 17. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Uh, that verb that says be careful means to think ahead of time. In other words, we allow the Spirit of God to speak to us as we get up in the morning and we say, okay, God, help me see the world where there's brokenness and show me how I can be a peacemaker. Show me how through your power reconciliation can come and that I can play some small part. When he talks about to do what's right, the idea here is a positive contribution. What positive contribution through the power of God, the Spirit of God leading, can I make today? 
be a peacemaker. Galatians 6.10 says it like this. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of God. So, what's he saying? Man, we need to look around and see where we can do good. Where we can see people who are hurting and help to bring healing. Help to bring reconciliation in that situation. Ready to face each day, thinking ahead of time of those situations where peace is missing and thinking, what can I do? This made me think, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I thought about the ultimate peacemaker, and it, it made me think about this section of Scripture. I just want to reach it and let the word preach for itself, or read it and let the word preach for itself here. Uh, verse 17 is familiar to most of us. Uh, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So if you're in Christ, you're different, you're changed, you're forgiven. You're on a new course, a new start, right? But he explains that in these verses, what that means. And so that's why I want to read it. Starting at verse 18. All this is from God. Not you, not me, from God. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. In other words, the forgiveness we have, the forgiveness we enjoy is through Christ. And... He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Not only has he reconciled us, he has called us to reconcile in the relationships around us. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against him. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not counting my sin against you. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, the one who was sinless became sin for me and for you. And unless he had become sin for us, we could not have become the righteousness of God. This is called by some as the great exchange. What a deal. <laughs> Through Christ, I get his righteousness, and he took upon himself my lack of righteousness on the cross, my spiritual brokenness and filthiness. All right, one more here. Third point, peacemakers are willing to build bridges. Look at verse 18 uh, with me from Romans 12. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I've always kind of really enjoyed this because, uh, thank you, Lord. Because you know what? Sometimes it is just not possible. Sometimes you do everything you can for there to be peace, but it takes two parties in order for there to be peace. And sometimes, no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, the other side is not willing for there to be reconciliation. You know, it, it's like a, an interstate, and, you know, I'm only, what little bit of control I have is only the, the lane I'm in, you know. So what God is calling me to do is make sure that as far as it depends on me, my side of the road is open. Now, I can't control the other side of the road. I can't control the other relationship. 
but I can control my side. And so what is possible is, am I right with God, and I, am I willing to forgive? Am I willing to do what is within my power for there to be reconciliation? And the truth of the matter is, you know, Jesus himself said that I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And there are, in some cases, when the truth of God is clearly shared, there's not peace. I mean, if there was peace, Jesus wouldn't have been led to the cross. If there was peace, the crowd wouldn't have shouted, crucify him. He was the sinless son of God. Why would he be crucified? But the message of the cross, it is foolishness to those who are perishing. They cannot grasp the power of the truth because they would rather stay in their sins than come into the light and find the forgiveness. Before you can be cured, you've got to know you've got the disease, and sometimes it means something's got to be cut out. We call that repentance, the cutting away of sin. You know, think of the apostle. I love it. Someone said about the apostle Paul. If you go through the book of Acts, Man, it seemed like only two things happened everywhere Paul went. Paul would go into a town, and there, there would either be a riot or revival. There really wasn't anything in between. A riot or a revival. <laughs> and the only way the peace came through the revival was the reconciling, reconciling power of Jesus Christ. So we're called to follow him. We're called to be peacemakers. But I am not naive enough to tell you that your efforts in making peace will always result in peace. Our call is to be messengers, to be ambassadors of the reconciling power of God in Jesus Christ. That is what he calls us to. You know, it's interesting. Um, as you look at this particular beatitude, many beatitudes have promises in the beatitude. Um, for example, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they'll be filled. Happier the meek, they will be comforted. And, and so forth. But this particular beatitude does not have a promise associated with it. It says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. So rather than a promise, what there really is, um, is an evidence. You see, in other words, what is happening here is that when we strive to be peacemakers, even when people are warlike, <laughs> even when people are hurting us and we've been hurt and we're still striving to be peacemakers, that's supernatural. That's God. People look around, and they may not understand, said, you know, she's just a nut. Why is she not fighting me? But eventually she's got to come to the conclusion there's something crazy going on here. What is it? Jesus. The supernatural evidence of the presence of Jesus Christ that is within that person. That is what God does if we're willing to build bridges. So what is there is not a promise, but an evidence of the presence of God in Jesus Christ. And let me close with a story. Robert Chapman was the pastor of a small church. And as a pastor of a small church, I love to hear great stories of pastors of small churches. 
he was a pastor his whole ministry of a small church. And he was beloved in the community. Uh, Charles Spurgeon was another preacher in his community, and Spurgeon loved Robert Chapman. He referred to Ch Robert Chapman as the godliest man he knew in the community. He loved him. Not everybody loved him. There was a grocer in town. He just did not like Robert Chapman. Chapman loved to get outside on some days, and he'd just preach, man. He'd let it fly. This grocer hated him. So preacher Chapman, he's preaching the gospel with all he's got. And Chapman, he did this more than once. He'd walk by and spit on him. He never retaliated. Robert Chapman, he never missed a beat. He just kept preaching. Well, after a number of years, he had some wealthy family members come, stay for a week, and they said, Robert, we want to, he was single, by the way, never got married, so these family members came in, they said, man, we want to cook for you this week, but we don't want to put you out, we want to buy the food, we want to take care of everything. Said, you just tell us, recommend where to go to buy the groceries that we need to cook this week. You know what he did. He recommended that grocer. <laughs> so it was on the other side of town, though, you know, and he never mentioned anything about the grocer. He just said, this is where I would like you to go. So his family goes, and they buy all this food, and they actually buy too much food for them to carry home. So there was a delivery service, and uh, they said, where would you like this delivered? And they said, uh, to the home of Robert Chapman. And they said, what's that name again? Robert Chapman. Are you sure? Yeah. Really? I said, yeah. He couldn't believe it, right? So he packed everything up, and the grocer personally made the delivery. And when he came over to the home, and he knocked on the door, and Robert Chapman opened the door, the man just started crying. He started crying. And Chapman right there was able to share what it meant to be a peacemaker and how he had personally found the peace of Jesus Christ himself. It changed everything, and he prayed for the guilty. And they went from being enemies to being brothers. That's what Jesus does, from enemies to brothers. To be a peacemaker, refuse to get even, provide positive solutions, willing to build bridges. Let's pray. God, we come before you, Lord. You are the great peacemaker. Father, we want to make sure that um, that message of peace is clearly shared this morning. If there's anyone who needs that peace, the peace of God that passes all understanding, peace with God through Christ, it's available. Um, Father, may that person now say, God, forgive me. I want your peace. I want Christ. He is the peace. Um, we're the Prince of Peace. May people say yes and receive you. And start a new journey with the Prince of Peace. And God, we want that to occur. If anyone listening through the internet or anyone present today has not trusted you as Savior and Lord, may this be the day they find peace. And God, for others of us, you know, like David, you know, we're on this mountaintop, but then we, you know, roll down the mountain and get banged up because we've gotten our feelings hurt and been offended. 
May we, like David, say this morning, Oh God, search me and know my heart. (laughs) Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Master, work among us with an altar that's open for some to come pray, for others to make decisions right where they are, and for some who may need to come forward and tell the body of Christ what we're up to and how it's working. Because, Lord, we want others to know that you bring peace and forgiveness. So work among us. In Christ's name we pray.